Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental get squared away physical the podcast that'll help you get squared away favorite book dj khalid another one that's dude that's like that's what he says in like every hot jam that he has he starts it out with another one i don't know man i just started listening to tom mcdonald that's but otherwise I'm that's as new as you get otherwise you're like the bg's you're totally a Bee Gees fan, aren't you? Bee Gees, no. No? They were sure? good in their time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that far back. I didn't have the big, uh, whatever you call it, lapels. Do we have any Colors? updates? Do we have any updates on this Ukraine-Russia situation? Um, I haven't I haven't seen anything. Somebody told me this week, this last week, that there was like, Biden had switched his what he was saying about it and wanted Ukraine to like give in to Russia. Have you heard this at all? No, I haven't heard that. Okay. I should probably look that up before I just go spouting it out to fucking hundreds of people on the internet. Should probably yeah. maybe scratch that guys. Don't listen to that last minute. Cause I have no idea what I'm talking about. Somebody just told me about it and I did not back off. Um, I did see, I don't, so there's a pretty good amount of two a support in our community here with squared away. 
um, the ATF just decided that a trigger system put into an AR is a machine gun itself. So a forced reset trigger, which every time the bolt comes back, it resets the trigger. And then you pull it again because your finger is put pressure on the trigger, right? And yeah. it, they have decided that this is that's not a a, a trigger replacement. That part itself is going to be considered a machine gun. So, like, I have one sitting on my counter at my house right now, and my wife's like makes jokes, like, "You just leave machine guns sitting out on the counter?" Ha ha ha. Yeah, well, is this ridiculous? No. Really? Yeah, because if you don't know how the ATF works, the ATF, basically how they do is they send out these letters that basically is how they how the current administration and the current ATF um, deems the laws that are in place. Like and then they a new one will come in and they'll change how they look at the same exact law and how they interpret that law. Right. Law interpretation is kind of like that's more important than the actual law sometimes is like how it's interpreted. And right now they're interpreting this one system because it forces you to reset. The, it forces the trigger to reset and then you pull it again. Is that's considered a machine gun? Weird. Ridiculous. I thought they got enough with the bump stocks and everything else. but So the thing is, bump stocks don't work. These triggers actually do work. Yeah. Don't say it too loud. Right? Shh. Don't tell anybody. Um, so, yeah. So, I have no update. I haven't heard anything on the on the Russia-Ukraine situation. No. I've kind of backed off from it a little bit. It's just, it's ridiculous. There's so much, so much garbage. I'm just getting a kick out of uh, some of the um, disinformation clips that I've seen. Oh, you've seen some good ones? Oh, yeah. They, I think the, uh, I don't know who put it on, but the media had put on uh, something about disinformation. And it was, crap, trying to figure out which college that was. Um, but, yeah, there was, there was a handful of, I, I thought it was Colorado. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. No, maybe it was California. But um, Brian Stelter was on the panel for the disinformation. You know Brian Stelter? No. The guy, he's the guy that looks like uh, the dude from Kramer. Um, Jason Alexander. Yeah, what was he? What's he from? Where would I know him from? MSNBC. Oh, okay, gotcha. So he's the uh, the short, bald headed, uh, you know, round little dude, and he's like the purveyor of disinformation. Well, he's the guy that is constantly on saying that you know Fox is the purveyor of misinformation, and and guess what? They they all have a spin. Mm-hmm. CNN is by far probably the worst. Mm-hmm. If, oh no, I'm sorry. Stelter CNN. Okay, Stelter is CNN. Got yeah, it. He's the only one left that didn't, you know, get fired for you Got know, it. being a pedo yet. But um, I like but how yeah. you put yet in there. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> this this whole pedo. Oh, it's all there. It's everywhere. But anyway, so these college kids, this one kid just put him in a corner, just rattled off everything from the, you know, Russian collusion to what's, you know, going everything that CNN's lied about. And basically, Stelter just responds with like, "Oh, is it time for lunch yet?" Yeah, and then comes up and it concocts um, everything of, "Well, everything that you heard, it, it isn't. It's not the CNN that I watch." I'm like, 
Oh. Oh, that was okay. pretty bold. Where do you get that one? Do, yeah. I, do I have to sign up for that one? Or is that the one that's, that's not the one that's on the normal TV? I get yeah, it. Yeah, must be CNN Plus or something. I get it. So, I get it. That's the one you have to, that's the, pay, that's the application you have to pay for. Yeah, so you pay for the truth. Yeah, so even like this Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop stuff, right? Now, like that's common knowledge that that's a real thing and the FBI legitimately has Hunter Biden's laptop. Like where yeah. we, were, we were told during the entire election process that this bullshit, there is no laptop. Well, they lost it. And when uh, Matt Getz, the uh, Republican, you know, senator, was um, grilling the FBI on that, they basically said, oh, we lost it. Well, I say, you know, at the end of that, then Getz pulls out a jump drive with a copy of the hard drive. I don't know where he got it from. Oh, wow. But he admitted that in evidence, and that pretty much kicked everything into the open. Oh, nice. So somebody inside the FBI had copied that onto a jump drive and got it to him, guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. I'm somebody guessing, that knew. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody that knew what was going to happen, right? Like, um, it, it's so funny because like so much of this is like your personal, your personal opinion, your personal politics, your personal emotions, your personal values, sometimes go to battle with the apolitical nature or the values of the organization that you work for. And in that situation, that was probably somebody that knew that there was a chance that was going to fucking disappear. Yeah, and so they copied it very secretly. And very quietly got it to the right person. And he probably had 20 more copies in case that one disappeared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but even like so, so where I was going with that is even like NPR, who we know NPR, right? It, it One of their own um, journalists came out and was like, why are we saying anything about this? Like we talked about this negatively and now it's come out that this is completely, you know, it's it's true. And we're just not going to we're not going to like retract our our what we said. And whoever the spokesperson for NPR is like, we, we came out. We don't want to waste the time of our listeners. That's what they oh. said. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, you guys have to realize when you talk like this out of both sides of your mouth, it ruins your legitimacy going forward. Yeah. But the Democrats learned, I mean, what ruined Hillary was basically the same thing. Well, all of a sudden there's you know, evidence that comes out that would have incriminated Hillary right before the election, which it did. Yeah. And they learned from that. And also they're like, well, if this comes out, it was basically before the election for Biden. Well, that's going to screw it for him. And they don't have anybody else other than Bernie and they don't want Bernie to get in. So, yeah. Well, you don't want to have evidence on Hillary Clinton or you'll suicide yourself with two shots at the back of the head. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. But, uh, well, there's some stuff going on now that I literally uh, Project Veritas, they they went to, I think, a book signing or something and had a camera on them and started asking her questions. And they they pushed it to the Internet. So it's it's on. It's even on like YouTube right now. Well, good, because like that, that's some of the weird like you you never want to accuse someone of something that you don't have hard evidence for. But like when. When the, you know, the second in, in line of the DNC gets robbed and murdered outside of his apartment and nothing is missing off of his body. Yeah. Like, we, there's something going on. Oh, something yeah. somewhere. There's some questionable shit it's going, going on. on for years. Yeah. Years. When you start to look at all of the different deaths that are around the Clintons and this web of like, you know, double suicide and bodies never found and all this shit, you're like, wait. What yeah. is going on? Yeah. Yeah. And this, well, 
if you ever get time, look at this uh, Project Veritas and this uh, this dude that runs it. I mean, they're just nuts. I mean, literally, they're arranging. Like, they got this one gal to talk to one of these uh, New York Times journalists. And literally, I don't know if it was like a, a date or like a you know business, but basically got him to sit at dinner and just unload on a ton of items. I mean, this guy probably lost his job. Oh, but you know, and they got the camera hidden. It was probably a Tinder date or something. And this dude was just like getting it off his chest. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. But Forget I mean, that, that's how they're, you know, capturing a lot of this. And they had something and I forgot what it was. It had information on Biden, and next thing you know, the FBI raids the house of this very. I did hear person. that. Yeah, so, yeah, I did hear that. For that information. Yep. So it's uh, yeah, you got to be careful where you're treading. I mean, all that stuff's been going on for years. I mean, probably not as exposed as it is now because of technology. But you know what really pisses me off is you know we have all this activism in this country, and we hardly have anything going against you know these pedos. You know, there's millions of kids that get abducted and nothing is happening. And I don't know if you heard of uh, Madison Cawthorn. He's, no. he's the Republican that's on the, um, in the wheelchair. Okay. And right now the Republicans are pissed off at him because he basically, he's the youngest, uh, a center right okay. now. And, you know, super, I, I believe he was a amputee. So I think he's a double amputee. No, maybe I don't want to say that. Yeah, don't okay. quote me on that one. But either, either gotcha. way, he's in a wheelchair. Either way, we get it. But I think he's a veteran. Yep. I believe, yeah, he is a veteran. And uh, yeah, he's just a young guy. He's got, you know, he's not tainted by, you know, these idiots. And uh, McCarthy, leader of the GOP, basically is now pissed off at him, telling him to basically tone it down because he was, Cawthorn's claiming that he was solicited for, you know, basically orgies and drugs. Really? Well, I mean, Put, so, putting a light on these senators. So, saying so hold that. on, though. Like, I, I, I hate to be the devil's advocate in this situation, but if you wanted to keep a group of people completely beholden to you, right? You wanted to make sure that they were never going to speak out against you. They were going to do whatever you needed them to do. There's one thing that nobody ever wants to come out about themselves, and that would be one of them. Right. You know, like that's 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 kind of the whole idea of the skull and crossbones type, like some some shit that's so fucked up that like you will go against your entire value structure to, for that to never come out. True. Selling your soul to the devil, you know. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm not saying like that that you have to do it to be successful in 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 D.C., but like maybe there is some sort of a like club that you need to be part of yeah like how fucked up is that yeah i think it sheds a light on the morality that's in dc that you know we all suspect morality yeah lack of if, you mean yeah. yeah there's even a shed the, of it the, it's on either side dark black yeah either side that was my dad always had he, he thought this last election was so was so fought after because whoever was in charge was going to have access to gosling maxwell oh really and they would be able to oust everybody on the yeah. other side so she's guilty but not a single person was named not one single person yeah well she knows how to keep herself alive do you think i don't know i, uh, <laughs> I haven't I'm, even thought I'm, about I'm, that one i haven't thought about that one enough to even figure out where like where the chess game of that would be played yeah i'm, I'm just thinking that you know what it is 
as long as there's so many distractions between Ukraine and everything else that's going on in the economy, it's going to be quiet. But the minute it gets quiet and all of a sudden that comes to the forefront, I think you're going to see a uh, remake of Epstein. Yeah, you could. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of dirty laundry there. So, Or does she have enough info to the people in the right places that you get rid of her and it's going to come out? Whereas she, as long as she's always alive, the information never comes yeah, out. She's had time to right? do it. Like, how would you take care of yourself? If you were in that situation and you knew stuff about a lot of dark shit about a lot of powerful people, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. I would get that to enough places and enough people that I trusted that they would never be able to trace or never be able to track. And that would be the first thing I'd say. As long as I stay alive. This information will never come out. Yeah, and she's had a lot of time to do it. So, yep. yeah, I think you're right there. But, you know, going back to these pedos, it's just like there's nothing being done about it. But I think that's because it's it's a sickness that goes all the way up to the top. And how do you solve it? I don't know. Unless you wipe out and start fresh again. I have. I'm, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I have not looked into any of that other than the very surface level shit that you hear about pizza gate and all the Alex Jones stuff and like all of that. Like, I don't know how deep that goes and how much credible evidence there is on any of it. Right. Like there's a bunch with the concrete companies that built the, you know, that built Epstein's Island and all the shit that they suspect is in that concrete. That's in all those. Oh yeah. Co- Comex Comex, I think. Right. Co- Conex Comex. The concrete company, like their oh, conics, conics, oh. maybe like their high, their high ups are all part of this big clicky group. And there's suggestions that that's been used to dispose of a lot of this stuff. But I like I don't know anything about this yeah. other than that sur- surface level shit that you read on some tinfoil hat. Yeah, the, the only it hits home because it hits home for a lot of vets because, you know, uh, you a lot of them have seen a lot of this. And a lot that what happens in the border where they basically are bringing these kids in, you know, and even being a Christian, I'm going to say this is like, yeah, they're using some churches, basically. I believe it. Bringing these kids in. I believe it. It's like, you know, we got some of our guys basically going and saying it's like, uh, hey, those kids belong to you. You know, you can't have one person coming out of uh, a church with five kids. You know, basically taking them and trafficking them out basically is what they're doing. And this guy's saying that, oh, they're his kids. No, I don't think so. No paperwork or nothing. So it's just it makes me ill. And it's probably one of the biggest problems in America, but it's one of the most uh, avoided issues that's going on right now. So, yeah, if anybody uh, has any more information, I mean, you know, hit me up. Can we take two minutes before we go into this actual podcast and talk about all this Pentagon UFO release <laughs> that UFOs? just happened. Yeah, have, you, have you seen this? Have you seen this most recent dump? I don't know. I, it's, saw, I saw the dude, but I was like, uh, this guy looks like the dude from uh, office space. So it's all of these and I'm trying to find the actual. Oh, here we go. This is, this is uh, Appendix A, unclassified for official use only. The Schlusser catalog of US UFO related human physiological effects. Okay. Apparent abductions. We have 129. And these are all like, these are all actually looked into. And a lot of the medical claims are at least substantiated with medical, um, 
records. Okay. Talking about the abductions and then they do experiments on them and send them back. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Electromagnetic effects, 77. Paralysis effects, 75. So it's 75 different instances of paralysis post abduction. Eye injuries, 54. Burns, 42. We're gonna we're gonna go down to where this starts to get really really interesting. Um, hold on, where is it? Sexual encounters, five. Sexual encounters, how do they prove that? Pregnancy, where is it? Come on, there's one. One immaculate conception of pregnancy left from an alien abduction. I swear to God, this is Pentagon Papers. This isn't me making this shit up. Oh, I'm, I'm highly skeptical. So. I am also highly skeptical. But, so, to get through the joking, haha. Yeah. Um. So, this is the part, this interview with this. Elizondo who did all of this his company did all of this research and looked into all of these and substantiated the medical claims with medical records and all this shit right and this is an interview that he did with GQ magazine and uh, said I gotta be careful I can't speak specifically but one might imagine that you get a report from a pilot that says hey Lou it's really weird I was flying and I got close to this thing and I came home and I had like a sunburn and it was red for like four days well, that's not a sunburn that's a side of radiation that's that's radiation burn. And then a pilot might say, hey, if I got a little closer, Lou, I'm at the hospital. I've got symptoms that are indicative of microwave damage, meaning internal injuries. Or they might even say there's some morphology in my brain. And then another guy may say, and then you get somebody that gets really close and says, you know, Lou, it's really bizarre. I felt like I was only there for five minutes, but then I look at my watch and 30 minutes went by, but I only used five minutes worth of fuel. And he's saying that that has something to do with warping space time. So this is all like, and these are like, these are government, Air Force, Navy pilots. These aren't like fucking hokey UFO, you know, crazy, like yeah, living in Navy the middle pilots, of Nevada, huh? right? Like these are actual, <laughs> these are actual trusted individuals that have, have had these encounters. Have you seen the oh, Tic Tac footage? The Tic Tac UFO? No. So it's this it's this tic tac and they have it on they have it on um tic tac tic tac or tic tac. Look it looks like a tic tac, right? It's like the shape of a tic tac. And they have this thing and it will go from air down to water. It will go like propel from 0 to like hundreds of miles an hour instantly and then it'll stop instantly and it's this weird like propulsion system and they have this all on radar. And uh a ton of this stuff that they were like all these in one week out doing all these uh, things out in the middle of the ocean and multiple yeah. pilots saw these things. Yeah. This is all stuff that, that got declassified from the Pentagon. This isn't like fucking national Enquirer data. So anyways, just do some of your own research. This shit is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, one of the things from the previous declassification, not on this one, with the previous one, is um, I, I believe that the terminology was something to the effect of these metals, these items were made of metals, not from this world. So they have items that like like parts of ships that were the meteorology, the metal metal metalology. <laughs> metallology i don't know the, the metals yeah are are made from it's made from metals that we do not have on this planet what adamantium what was that a, is that a fucking <laughs> from marvel marvel yeah it might be who knows want to make some claws so uh, look I, into this shit it's crazy i'll have to 
It's not like a, it wasn't a Tic Tac that was on a string and it looked like Star Wars where they're, you know. Here, I can't even turn my, I have it right here. Just look up. Look up what, Tic Tac? N- Navy pilot Tic Tac footage. It's got to be a Navy or pilot. Or Navy, Navy pilot that. UFO footage. Tic Tac. Wow, this is this is not good for a for an audio podcast. You you can do you can look this up on your I'll own time. Up, yeah. I'm telling you, it's crazy. You guys should look it up. It's wild. But all black and white uh target footage. Yeah, it's like radar footage. But we'll get into that. You can you can get into that on your own time. Let's get into the actual podcast topic okay. for today. It wasn't Tom Cruise, was it? Um, yeah, it was, was he's the Navy pilot. The, uh, he's the okay. Navy pilot. Yeah, it's Tom Cruise. All right. And that'll be released in the uh, the next. I am waiting for screen. the new Top Gun to come out. You are not. Yes, I am. You are? Oh, yeah. Oh, you cannot be. Yeah. Oh, explain why you are. I that... don't know. It's probably going to be so bad, but give me a movie that's come out lately that's good. Tell me a 90-year-old uh, F-18 pilot. <laughs> a 90-year-old F-18 pilot. It was this directed by Tom Cruise too? Like all oh, Mission Impossible. So I don't know if it was, but I know that like I think a bunch of people like got out of this film and they were like it was going to be a big deal, and now they're like it's kind of turned into just money making. Yeah, yeah. So I assume he hits the brakes on the you know. I don't fucking know. And, the MIG, and the, MIG, the MIG flies by. Yeah, and he's upside down. They give him the bird. So the cool thing is, is the. Um, the story behind the original um, Top Gun, like that's a real story. That is, you know, that that is a um, a pilot program that yeah. was started by uh, a bunch of post-war pilots that learned that the old ways of doing yeah. air-to-air combat was not the way to do things, and they needed to teach all these young guys how to you know, now dogfight right. basically. So Which that's cool. Top Gun, yeah. Yeah. But now you add Tom Cruise trying to, you know, reinvent himself in the new Top Gun. I'm like, okay. Scientology. We should do a podcast about Scientology sometimes. Oh my goodness. That's a... Uh, Isn't I, that Will Smith too? Wasn't he in on it? Is he Scientologist? Uh, yes. The, the, one, the one that we lost, the real one that we lost to Scientology is the hot chick from King of Queens. Oh, uh, Leah Remini. She's out of it now. She is? Yeah. We got her back. Yeah, she she came out of it and We're actually back. did some interviews. Did she? Yeah. Oh, I got to look up these interviews. So, it, so, I I I went pretty oh, deep. Yeah. I went pretty deep into Scientology with stu- with researching the people that that did get out and the way that the whole system works and the ridiculousness of it and dude, it's scary. Like when you're in there, you're in it, like trying to get out of it. Yeah, and they, it's a and cult, they, man. It, it is a cult. It's a legit cult. And um, first of all, not only are you losing, not only are you risking losing everything as far as what you have as a life, you're also risking losing all of your relationships, your parents, your siblings. Like I think the book that I read was from a, a young girl who grew up in it and her dad or her uncle was the leader of Scientology. I don't remember what his name was, Clint something or whatever. He was the head guy at that time and she escaped. But it was like, it breaks it down as like how they keep you, how they, how they challenge you. It's almost like these little jails. Right. And like the part that you don't see, like they keep that completely separate from like the part of Scientology that all the celebrities see because the celebrity outreach 
is how they grow Scientology. But then all the normal people that are not celebrities have this like fucked up underpinning of what builds Scientology. And I believe the Church of Scientology is like the number one real estate holder in L.A. County. Yeah, they've been around for a while, but they're always known as uh, Church of Christian Science. Oh, because even like, uh, yeah, almost 20 years ago, I, I've seen I was in a city where there was a Christian science church. But they're the, that I mean, it's a religion that is built off of a guy who was a shitty science fiction writer. Ooh, that's right. Scary. Right. Isn't that that's them. Ooh. So, I mean, <laughs> right funny. there. And then you've got these different like levels and, but basically what they do, one of the big things that they do, wow, we're fucking 25 minutes in already. We haven't talked a single thing about the actual podcast. Another <laughs> one of these, this is, this is just how we do things now. <laughs> well, you and your Tic Tac UFOs. Wow, dude, that's cool, man. Like UFOs might be real. Like how s- fucked up is that? By the way, get back to Scientology. They put you through these, this bullshit like scanner that, that they scan you and they're like. And so it'd be like me putting you through a scanner, right? And I and I have this bullshit fucking scan cuff on your arm, and I'm and I'm I'm trained to basically read this thing as bullshit. And I'm like, you have something you need to get out. I can read it. You you have you have restrictions in the in your in your electrical field in your aura. And you're like, no, I'm I've told you everything. And I'm like, no, like you have. There's more here. And you dig deep, right? And you and you dig and you start to like release all of these things that you've kept inside, like the fucked up things that you've done in your life. Cause we've all done fucked up things in our life. Like we all have skeletons in our closet and you, yeah. and you're releasing these skeletons. Well, they record all this shit. It's all recorded. What for blackmail? Exactly. That's so they how they blackmail you into you. the cult. Yes. Oh man. That's, that's yeah. That's real positive. So they're using this bullshit electrical scan thing. There's a name for it. I can't remember what the name of it is. I can look it up and find it, but they use this to like get you to divulge your darkest, deepest, craziest secrets. And then when you're like, Oh shit, I want out. They're like, Oh, but we got all this stuff on you. So is there like a big financial membership? I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of it is the actual financial membership and how much of it is all of the, um, Recruiting the people. free, the, the free labor, the free, right. So like the, Scientology is a business and they own all this land and then this land gets paid for by all of the, the stewardship of the different famous people that are in the church and all of the other, um, uh, tourist type stuff that happens on all this land, but all of the work is done for free. So it's a racket. It's basically is well, it, I mean, what? 90% of religion is a racket. I would say, why did, why did Martin Luther need to write? Why did Martin Luther need to write the 99 thesis, the, the, the Bible in a common tongue because the entire church was a racket because it would it was basically roman catholicism became yeah. you could go pay for your sins oh yeah and they would take your money and tell you that you were dissolved of your sins and he knew because he could read latin that uh this is not how the bible works this is not what christ said and so they tried to fucking kill him yeah they tried to kill him over and over and over for basically just translating the bible into the common tongue yeah and that's where you get the Lutherans. And that's where you get the Lutherans. Then after years later, then the Lutherans started having their own rules. And uh, Is that because uh, maybe the, the age-old saying of absolute power corrupts absolutely? Yep. 
Yep, just like a business, you start off on a mission statement. We're gonna. This is our vision and mission statement. As soon as you have money and power enter into that realm, three to five years later, boom, corruption. Yep. Because so, nobody can stick to their values. That's probably where our government is at. I think we're way beyond that. Yeah, no, but each, but I think each new person that comes in, I think that uh, the majority of new people that come in, yeah, have they, they, they are, they are have good things in their mind. Yeah. They have good things in their heart. They have a value structure they want to live to, and then that three to five years, same thing happens to them, and they're completely corrupt. But then, what does that say about the voters when we voted some dude in that's like got forty five years of the majority of voters are fucking idiots that's why that's why we have the um what is the system where each state gets so many votes that's why we have the electoral college because have you looked around well the popular vote should not be how voting works yeah i don't want california and new york to be deciding what everybody else gets you know be logged under so there's got to be more digression there has to be a better way for that to work like you have to do a you have to Every five to 10 years, you have to do some sort of a test and off of your test, you get a certain percentage of a vote. And so, you you know, if you pass the test and you understand the how economics works and you understand oh. sociology and physiology and you understand all this, stuff, you might get two votes per person. But yeah. if you go in and you take that test and you're a fucking derelict that is, you know, basically just fighting for his next Mercedes payment, right? Then you only get a quarter of a vote. Oh, yeah. This goes back to what I was proposing, the IQ test to vote. But IQ is a weird thing, though, because it would have to be something totally different than IQ. Because IQ is not intelligence. It would have to be uh, like the Wonderlick. What's a Wonderlick? Is that the candy where you dip it in the th- in the shit and then you eat the thing? Oh, no, man, that's what you saw in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. So the Wonderlick test is like, and when I went into corporate, uh, I was 32 years old. Um, I had to take a Wonderlick test before that, I think two years prior to that. And the Wonderlick test tests your, quote, intelligence. Okay. So it's based off, I mean, it's a... Um, multiple, you know, problem test and how many of these problems can you get through? And it's, there are a variety of different things. I mean, you might have a couple that are, are mathematic. You might have some that are situational, how you deal with people. And then you might have one or two that are economic, but overall it kind of tests. Okay. How does, how does your mind function? And, you know, you have a, you don't have much time to make research, but do you have some kind of common sense to, you know, get through some of these problems. So if you're somebody that only gets through two problems in there and your answer is just completely out there, you may be a freaking zero. Yeah. There's some NFL guys, NFL guys have to take one early test. Okay. And some of them score like single digits. Yeah. But they also run four forties and bench two twenty five fifty times. So they're like, yep, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get a, you know, three ring binder yeah. plays that switch, then they can't. Yeah, they're not quarterbacks. Function. Let's say they're not, let's just say they're exactly, not quarterbacks. Yeah. Quarterbacks, linebackers, safeties, and you know, the yeah. guys that have to yeah. call the play. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have to take one. And if you're in your like high 20s, so like I scored low 30s. So, like, you're a lot of your corporate or you know, people that have that can function in those multi problem environments are scoring high 20s. So, like, I scored a 31 in my Wonderlick. Um, but that, yeah, kind of 
that's different than like an IQ test that says you have an IQ point of one. In case you guys didn't catch it, that was Martin just slapping his Wonderlick dick out on the table and oh, thudding oh. on the desk. Kapunk. I scored a thirty-one. Got a thirty-one. So if anybody uh, got higher than thirty-one, let me know. <laughs> that was no big deal. I, was on I got a twenty-seven on the ACTs. Is that cool? <laughs> I mean, that's like the last big test I took. Hey, when, I, when I took the ACT, uh, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was in a hurry to get out of there because I was such a you know I was a derelict. Yeah. So I was like making designs with my dots. Oh, good. And what'd you get? I believe I got a, I think it was 28. Bullshit. You're so I'm, full of shit. I'm you not, did not make a design of dots and get a 28. It's a 36 is your total. Yeah. No, you got an 18. Or an 8. Mm, or no. an 8. It was in the 20s. Listen to I'll look it up. Okay. I'll, I'll be, I'll be interested it. to see what your dot matrix was in design the 20s, was. Because I thought it'd be like. Okay, I, honestly, I did not do the whole thing. In oh, that okay. okay. You just finished it off like that. I'm just like, I heard my buddy get done and he left yeah. the room. And I'm like, oh, well, we're going to go somewhere that day. I'm like, Shh. all right, I'm done. I, yeah, yeah, I get you. I mean, but no, so so yes, some sort of, but, but right, like I can see, I know how government works already. And I can see that within two cycles of oh, this, yeah, within two cycles of this, the test would be like the biggest <laughs> bullshit. Like what size is Nicki Minaj's left foot? And it'd be like, oh, it's a seven. Yeah, you get three votes. No, they'll, they'll look at the the history and it, yeah, every every Democrat that uh, took a IQ test, ooh, we got a bumper score of about 10. Yeah. So already, yeah. Well, it, it we we already see bullshit like this in um. If you if you ever noticed the way that questions are worded on um, what do they call the questions that are also on a on a poll? Oh god, um, I get this all the time. What do they call? No, but not on the poll on the actual ballot, right? They, oh, on uh, the ballot. What do they call the? It's an actual question, right? Like, would you support blah blah blah? I don't remember what they are. Those are polls. Referendums, referendums, oh, yeah. referendums, right? And it's on the ballot, but it's a referendum. And they always word it like, like, would you support um, better supporting our schools by investing <laughs> $120 million into a soccer stadium, right? And it's like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. Who says that investing $120 million into a soccer stadium is going to better support our schools? This is a bullshit worded question. Yeah. I can't answer this. I, I can't say no and I can't say yes because, yes, I support better supporting our schools. No, I don't support by doing $120 million in a soccer stadium. Like, oh, yeah. You fucking word this shit better. Yeah. No, I, That's I, exactly what would happen to the questionnaires for the fucking votes. It would be bullshit worded like that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how the polls are all done. So I just got another poll last week from the AFL-CIO. And then I, um, the first question they asked me, so they sent me a text. And they asked me... So about uh, would you like to see uh, better pricing on the on the housing market or something like that? Right. And I answered, I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. And I never got another question back. <laughs> so like, well, at least at least they feel they realized the tree they were barking up with that one. Well, yeah, they asked the dumbest questions to you know get you. Well, no kidding. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. Should we get into the actual podcast? This? Yeah, there's your favorite book. My favorite book. I love how you keep telling me it's my favorite book when you're the one that told me about the book. It is. Um, it's a good book. So man. it is a good book. So we talked about the the five love languages when we talked about relationships and we talked about love and human relationships early, early on in the podcast. And you t- you brought it up and and my wife has told me about it. And I think Anthony also told me about it. And I never really I never dug into it. I, I, I was like, I, I get it right. Like I, I high spotted the but I never really understood it until like I read it. 
I don't I, know what happens. Weird, right? I know it's it's odd. But I read it and it was like almost like this fucking clouds that opened up and it's like, oh, holy shit. Like I'm fucking this up and I'm doing this right. And it was just this thing that I would never really understand um, about about my personal relationships and what makes me feel love and how I and how I speak love. And I would never have understood it without getting into the book. Um, so I guess we'll go into the book and, and talk about it and why it is so important um, and then try to get into some some anecdotal stories. And, and also, like, I'll, I'll cover my 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 fuck ups. On, on this whole deal. So do you figure get out what it. your love languages are? Yeah, I definitely know what my languages are. They're super simple. I'm like, I'm what was that simple. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I, I instantly know that it's number one, physical touch, number two words of affirmation, hundred percent. And it's like 80% physical touch, 20% words of affirmation, wow. but we can't get into that yet. Okay. These guys haven't read the book. That's right. Well, maybe a few of them have, but a lot of them haven't read the book. And I promise you like, you look at this book and you read the, 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 the summary and you're like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> like I am not wasting five hours, eight hours, whatever it's going to take me to read this. But I promise you, I promise you, whether you are in a marriage now, you ever plan on marrying, you ever plan on dating, you ever plan on having good relationships with your kids, like read the fucking book yeah. and understand it because it is that important. So why is the book important? Because the ridiculous newness of relationships wears off. What is relationship newness? The honeymoon. The, the honeymoon stage, right? It is the beginning stages of a relationship. It usually lasts six to 18 months, sometimes up to 24 months. And it's the part of relationship where all of your brain chemicals are so elevated from being with this person that you're basically fucking dumb. You're dumb. You're stupid. You don't see it's all emotional. It's all emotional. You don't see anything that they do that would normally piss you off. You don't see anything that they don't do that you're like, they really need to fucking do this thing. You don't see any of that because you're in this dumb, new, numb relationship. And you're just like, oh, birds and roses, man, I'm a fucking gross, yeah. right? And why is this even a thing? All right. Evolutionarily, this whole love sickness is what I'm going to call it makes perfect sense because you would ignore all the annoying or slightly lacking aspects of a partner and you would reproduce with them, right? Because this is long enough for you to meet someone, fall in, in, in dumb new love with them and then impregnate them or let them impregnate you. Okay. And for the first hundred thousand years of our species, reproduction was so important because the pre-birth death rate and the infant death rate was so high that if you look at the numbers, just those pre-birth infant and childhood death rates bring the average lifespan down by decades. So I think, and this statistic is not hundred percent correct, but if you live to be 10, you were just as likely to live to be 75. So if you made it past 10, your, your lifespan was around 75. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. But the infant and the childhood death rate was so high that the average death rate of humans was like 35. So when you hear that, you know, our, our, our average lifespan is gone up so much. No, it really hasn't. It's just the ability to keep infants and children alive has right. drastically gone up. 
right? So the idea here is that we need to we needed to produce thousands and thousands and thousands of times as many kids as we produce right now just to keep the population growing. Because you might have 10 kids in your life, right? If you're a, you know, if you're, you come, you know, women could start having kids at, let's say 13, 14, 15, and probably we're out of that age by like 35, you know, 35, 40. So they might have, let's say 15 kids in that time, two might live, right? Yeah. Now, if all of your kids don't live, it's pretty, it's pretty uncommon. Right. You know, so. That's why this was so important. So individuals that experience this super strong lovesickness would reproduce more. They would pass that trait down to their children because that's how genetics works. And then their children would come to age and they would make the same moves. They would have the same stupid lovesickness and they would pass it on again. Whereas someone who didn't experience this newness, this lovesickness, they would take them a little bit longer to become comfortable with somebody, right? And then they would maybe only produce five kids in the amount of time that they were that they were in uh, the, the the reproduction age and out of those five maybe one would live maybe none would live so like those traits didn't get passed down so that's why we have this dumb ass f- numbness of of mind right when we first meet someone that's what animals do yeah meet them get excited and reproduce and boom yep like penguins yeah and the funny thing, right? Like the, the what is it? The March of the Penguins was the was the one that really talked about like penguin parenting. Yeah. Because penguins stay together, right? They're one of the only monogamous creatures in yeah. in nature. Um, and like all these all these big churches were like taking their whole congregations to see the March of the Penguins. The part that nobody wants to talk about is that those specific penguins that were in March of the Penguins, the minute that the babies become uh, independent adults. The parents go their separate ways and find new lovers and make new babies with totally new penguins. Oh, wow. They're not monogamous for <laughs> lifetime. They're only monogamous for the child rearing years. And yeah. then they're just like on their own again. Hence animals. Yeah. Right. So it's this weird thing. It was, it was a funny thing in the like late 90s when that came out. It was like all these churches were like, come witness monogamous <laughs> in, monogamy in nature. And I was like, yeah, kind of. Oh. Um, so why does it wear off? Why, why can't you just live in that live in emotion live in? Why can't you just live in that, that love emotion forever? I don't know. Because you're an idiot. <laughs> you're dumb. You would spend all of your time laying in your hammock or your grass bed, staring into the eyes of your lover. And you would forget that you need to like, uh, forage, find food, fend off other tribes. You, but it's ideal. Isn't this what the society's teaching us now? This that's the problem. Everything's ideal. Yes. Don't worry about the real. Yeah, but it's but here is when the, if this never wore off, yeah, you would fucking die. You would die. You wouldn't recreate a bunch yeah. of kids because you would just die. Or the government will take care of you. But there was no government back then. There was no <laughs> daddy government. It wasn't a thing. All right, I'm being sarcastic. I know, I know. So the earlier the numbness wears off, the quicker you get back to normal survival, the quicker you can start teaching your kids how to do their things and you can fight for food and you can build relationships that are help you coexist in your tribe and you can, you know, gravitate to, I I have to every podcast. All right. So what does this mean for today? Fast forward to today where relationships are our new tribe. 
We no longer raise kids in large bands of 100 to 150. You know what Dunbar's number is? Mm. So Dunbar's number is this this well-researched number that somewhere between 100 and 150 relationships is all you can your brain can keep track of. So the idea here is that what we see through anthropological uh, studies is that tribes would build up to about 100, 150, and then they would split off into two tribes. And then they would build those up again, which completely falls in line with Dunbar's number, right? Is is you can only keep so many personal relationships. Um, Now, there's also another idea here that is really interesting as far as like father parenting versus mother parenting. So if you think about like when you had sex with a woman... Nine months later, a baby came out, right? Do you think in a tribe of 150 people 100,000 years ago that you knew that that was your kid? I hope so, but there was no fucking any idea. DNA testing. You have no idea for nine months, though? Nine months ago, you had sex with this woman. You probably didn't know she was pregnant for three months. At least three to six months, probably, because you were, you know, it wasn't like they were getting big and putting on a lot of weight, right? Yeah. So... More than likely, mothers knew every one of the babies that were theirs because it came out of them, right? Fathers raised all the kids in the tribe. Fathers would, they they looked after, they did fatherly duties, they did all of the fatherly things in the tribal environment for all the kids because they didn't know which kids were theirs. Dang. Yeah, I don't know anything about tribes. Yeah, I know. You should read it. Good book. (laughs) Um, So, now we we generally now, today have children and try to stay with the person we produce with because most of the data shows undoubtedly that children raised in two parent homes have a better future. Now this is overall, this isn't N of one. There are great single parent families. There are great shitty, or I'm sorry, there are shitty two parent families, right? This is only mass data, right? But over mass data, two parent families tend to have more successful children. So we meet someone, we experience the new numbness, we get engaged or married, and then the numbness wears off and reality sets in. And all of the things of a real relationship start to show up. That's where the Love Languages book comes in. So now we're three years into a relationship. The newness is worn off and we're living in reality. What makes or breaks the new normal? Feeling loved. And, and Gary Chapman, who is the guy who wrote the book, who was a relationship counselor that after years and years and years of counseling couples put together this idea of the love tank. Your tank is either full or filling or empty or draining of love. Right. And how do you fill your tank? Well, he figured out there's really five main ways that people fill their tanks. Or their tanks get filled by their by their significant others. And you're likely primarily one with a secondary that's, you know, lack dragging behind that. But mostly there's a primary. And these are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And I'll kind of high spot each of these, and then we can get deeper into like why these are so important with our 10 minutes we're going to have left of the podcast. Um, Words of affirmation. People with words of affirmation as a love language value verbal acknowledgments of affection, including frequent I love yous, compliments, words of appreciation, verbal encouragements, and awful frequent digital communications like texting and social media engagements. Or engagement, sorry. Um, Written and spoken... 
Affection shows the matter of most people and couples. These expressions make them feel understood and appreciated. Okay, so this is words of affirmation. Quality time. People whose love language is quality time feel the most adored when their partner actively wants to spend time with them and is always down to hang out. Particularly, they particularly love when active listening, eye contact, and full presence. That's the big one here is full presence. You're not you're not doing something else distracted in the for yeah. the half hour that you're spending, you know, this is one-on-one quality time. Um, this love language is always about all, all about giving your undivided attention to that one special person without the distractions. Acts of service is the next one. If your love language is acts of service, you value when your partner goes out of their way to make your life easier. It's things like bringing you soup when you're sick, making you coffee in the morning, picking up your dry cleaning for you when you've had a busy day at work. This love language is for people who believe that actions speak louder than words. Unlike those who prefer to hear how much they're cared for, people on this list like to be shown how much they're loved. Next one, second to last, is receiving gifts. Gifts is pretty straightforward love language. You feel loved when people give you visual or physical symbols of their love. It's not about the monetary value of the symbolic, but the symbolic thought behind the item. People with this style recognize the value of the gifts giving process, the careful reflection, the deliberate choosing of an object. So this could be something simple as like um, one of the anecdotal stories in the book is a guy starts bringing his wife flowers every day. And he's like, financially, I couldn't buy my wife flowers every day, but I can pick her a flower on my walk home. And it was just, it was, it was every day. He would just bring her something small. It was, didn't have to be anything big, but what it did is it showed her that he was thinking of her at that time. Right. Right. And then physical touch, physical touch, Uh, People with physical touch as their love language feel loved when they receive physical signs of affection, including kissing, holding hands, cuddling on the couch and sex. Physical intimacy and touch can be incredibly affirming and serve as a powerful emotional connector for people with this love language. The roots go back to our childhood. Uh, They felt deep affection and love by their parents when they were held, kissed or touched. People who communicate their appreciation or love in this language when they consent to it feel appreciated when they are hugged, kissed, cuddled, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So how do you figure out what your love language is? Uh, for some people, it's pretty easy. Super easy. Like I finished that part of the book and I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what mine is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred hmm. percent. But you have, you have to be, I, I'm extremely um, self aware. Right. So I know exactly when I, I know exactly when I'm feeling the most love and when I'm not feeling loved. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was super simple. It's, it's physical touch. It's if I walk in the house and my wife could have everything done, she could have a gift for me on the counter and I would be like, Oh, okay. But if she walked up to me and she rubbed her nails up the back of my head and scratched my head and gave me a kiss and a hug, that's when I feel it. It is nothing. Gifts are nothing. Acts of service are okay, but nothing really. Um, And then my secondary is words of affirmation. Um, And mostly how I figured that one out is so these things are all positive, but then the opposite of these, if that hurts you, then that's likely your love language, right? So if lack of physical touch 
really affects you negatively, yeah. then your love language is physical touch, right? So if you're missing one of these things, or if words of affirmation, the opposite of words of affirmation would be like negative words, right? Put down putting words. Yeah. Um, if that stuff negatively affects you, then that's likely, you know, your thing. But like, I don't need receive gifts. Um, quality time is good, but it's not, it's just, it's the, these things that I get from the quality time is what does it for me. Right. There's online quizzes you can take everywhere. All you have to do is, you know, five love languages quiz and you can yeah. find out what your love languages are. Well, like you said, though, it comes down to how well you know yourself. You know, it's pretty easy to figure out from there. Like mine is uh, physical touch is, is number one. And for a lot of males, it is. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, like in the book, it talks about it and it's true is you have to distinguish between love and lust. Because a lot of males, I answer that as, uh, well, physical touch is my first one. Well, okay, is it or is it the lust portion? So by physical touch, it's almost being in the same presence. So like for me, I could be, you know, if it's physical touch, it's sitting next to person or, you know, especially uh, I like to hug my kids. So I'm very happily married. So for me, this isn't a, this isn't a problem. Um, you might want to watch out giving your your love languages and how to love you on the internet because you're going to have all these bitches oh. that want to slide into your DMS that are going to be like, Hey, I'm so good at physical touch. I, this is, I'm great. I just want to snuggle well, with you. It doesn't you. matter if you're happy married want to snuggle or not because you know how the, yeah, the females are. So nope, I'm good. No, this is not even a problem, so, but okay. So I'm, I'm not going to list them out, but basically <laughs> I'm just fucking with you anyways. <laughs> But, but for me, for my kids, you it's know. It's like giving the garage code it, it, to your garage. Would you put that on the internet? Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but for my kids, you know, it's that way too. But mm -hmm. um, but I won't reciprocate if that's not, yeah, if that's not my, if I don't have interest there, I won't reciprocate that. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing is like we can figure out our, but what we need to really do is figure out our spouse's. Because our right. responsibility is to, is to speak our spouse's love language right. and their responsibility is to speak our love language because they need, they are going to fill our tanks and we are going to fill their tanks. Yeah. And even with kids in other relationships 100%, too. hundred percent. Some people have a very, you know, thing of relationship with, with quality time, you know, and some don't. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, you know, acts of service. Or some people are just gifters. Yeah. You know? And mean, some people are totally gifters. Like it, they're just gifters. Yeah. They love it. And, and they, you can pretty much see someone's not, no, not so much with kids, but somebody else, you can pretty much see their love languages by how they speak love. Yeah. You know, if, they, if they're giving you gifts, love gifting is clearly a love language of theirs because that's how they speak love. Right. And words of affirmation. Some people are really good at. Yeah. I'm trying to fit this in as the, you know, well, what, what's the military words of affirmation? Uh, there aren't any. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, it all depends what it is. It's, yeah. You know, sometimes we go by the saying is like, you know, if the guys aren't giving you shit, then they don't care. Yeah. So. Well, that's a good point. You know, you know, a lot of guys it's being are. able to it's being able to speak the language of the people that you're speaking to. Right. Like you can't go home and be life like, what up, oh, what up, what up thick you old camel toe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't. It doesn't work that way. Whack. It doesn't oh, work no. that way. Nope, doesn't work. Except that for way. like Matt Best, I think that's how he speaks to his wife. That's what it seems like in all of his songs and uh, yeah. all of his videos. He just, it, I, th I think, yeah, there is an understanding there of where he is. Yeah, but sometimes I think, yeah, with uh, with some of the uh, <laughs> the veterans, 
I think that's sometimes the way it is. Yeah. I mean, with dudes, especially, yeah, if all of a sudden people, the guys stop giving you shit, then all of a sudden you got to start to worry. Well, and we have this thing as dudes, right? Specifically, I don't, if you want to fucking, if you want to lambaste me for, for talking about gender roles, go for it. I don't give a shit. Through hundreds of thousands of years, we would be out hunting and gathering or hunting, right? Hunting and, and, and going out in front of the pack. And we were, we were um, in charge of keeping everyone safe. And then the women were back together gathering and doing a lot of the stuff around, around the campfire and around the, the area that we were living. Right. So I needed to know that you had my fucking back. I needed to know that if we encountered another band of humans that, that I could trust you to have my back. Well, what's the best way to see if you can trust somebody you fucking push on them. You push on them a little bit and you, you, that's how you test the strength. How do you test the strength of a stick? Do you just look at it and think that's a strong stick? No, you bend the motherfucker and you see if it's going to break. It's the same with, it's the same with, with, with relationships between men. And it's, it's super common, right? Like I'm going to give you some shit and you're going to give me some shit back and we're going to fucking volley back and forth with some shit. And after we get to a certain point and I'm like, oh, that got really fucking dark and he didn't cave. Like we're good. Like we know, we know that we can trust each other. Oh yeah. But if you encounter a dude that all of a sudden you give him a little bit of shit. And he takes it personally. That's a really weak stick. Yeah. You bent like, bet that well, stick and it snapped. Yeah. I'm not going to take this guy, you know, basically uh, on the team. So, yeah. But um, so speaking of love language is so important because after the initialness wears off, it's no longer love is no longer just an emotion we feel. Love is now an action. Love is a verb. Love is something that we need to to do every day to make sure that our spouse knows how we feel about them, right? And psychologists have observed that among our basic needs are security, self-worth, significance. Um, love interfaces with all of these. I have next podcast on our significance because that was going to be our, um, our next podcast as far as significance versus success. But yeah. And then I wanted to cover some of the anecdotal stories from the book and then and then maybe put my story out there. But um, there's some amazing stories in the book that I think is the best part about the book. Um, I gave you all of the the high spots. Like you could take this podcast and move forward. But do you believe how important it is? When you listen to the anecdotal stories, the stories of the people that he's helped, you all of a sudden are like, holy shit, this is a lot more powerful than I have ever expected. Like one story that comes to mind is a a wife that starts coming to him just by herself and she comes for counseling and she's like he doesn't love me anymore i fucking can see it in his eyes he has zero interest in being with me he's just with me you know because i am the kid's parents like there's nothing left and after a few counseling sessions he's talking to her he's working with her he's listening to her and he he gets the husband in and the husband breaks down and the husband is is in a new relationship the husband is, 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 is in the new phase, right? And this is some bullshit that if you've ever been in that situation yeah. um, on either side, old love cannot compete with new numb dumbness. There's no competition. It's two totally different things. If you and I are married for, for 10 years, I know, I know you. I know you're a human. I know all your darkness. I know all the things that bother me about you. If you and I are in a new six month relationship and we only see each other, we only get the good times, right? You only, you only know the fucking best part of me. You only know what I put on the outside, right? Like those two things cannot compete. And that's where this guy is at. 
He's in this new, he's in this newness. And Dr. Dr. Chapman like tries to talk to him and he tries to like, he, he, he tries to feel him out and he tries to like, if there's any interest in making this work and there's none, he's done. He's just, he's, he's over it. He's out of interest. He comes back 15 months later and the newness has worn off and he is no longer what this other woman wants. And she's out. She pieces the fuck out. She's like, no. And this guy is basically, he's heartbroken. Because what he thought was his next step in life, he thought was his new love, was not what it really was. Right. And so Chapman works these two through this. And in a in like a year or two, their marriage is back to what it was in the beginning of their marriage. Because they each, first of all, bring out all the baggage and they process through all of that, right? Yeah. He has to mourn. He has to mourn the death of a relationship with this new woman, right? And then they both learn to start speaking each other's languages. And it's basically with just, it's an open-ended agreement. It's not, we're going to make this perfect. It's, we're going to put in effort every day. I'm going to try to speak your language every day. Yeah. You're going to try to speak my language every day. And a year or two later, they come back and they're like, we've, our relationship has never been this good after that fucked up. Like, that's not just kind of like having a Rocky patch. That's fucked. Yeah. That's catastrophic failure. Yeah. And they come back to this. Yeah. And there's stories like that throughout the book. This one dude, zero interest, zero interest. He's just, he's, he's a, you know, he works for himself. I think he's a, he's like a mechanic and he, he fucking comes home and he expects everything to be done and doesn't give his wife any attention at all, but he never comes in. He never comes in to talk to the, to, to Chapman, but the wife who was ready to leave because she just fucking hated his guts. She wanted to basically kill him starts speaking the husband's love language and nothing for a month. And then a month or two in, he looks at her. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like, nothing. He's like, no, what are you doing? I just, you're different. And she's like, I'm just working on stuff. My counselor wants me to work on. And that's it. And then six months later, he like brings her flowers one day, like randomly out of the blue. And it's like, just by speaking his language, it was filling his love tank. And he started to question like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? But it was a six month process. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. But it's a good book. I mean, where they pretty much, uh, he puts out all the points and then he backs it up with all this experience. So yeah. it's not like he just made it up for, you know, some cash. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's, you know, it even goes beyond. I mean, it's also parental relationships. Yes. And there is, there's five love languages for your kids. Yep. There's like, there's like five or 10 different books, relationships, friendships. Um, there's even a military one. Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah. That one's newer, I think. Okay. I've seen the one for the kids, but, you know, for me, it's this book is, you know, there's love languages that I received from my mom that I was like, you know, that were a lot different than what would be from, you know, other people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you forget about that because those are relationships you can't really terminate. You know, there's no emotional uh, six to eight months of those relationships. So it's something that, yeah, we just got to work on. And I... The, the cloud opening for me is um, my wife's love language is words of affirmation. I am piss poor at words <laughs> of affirmation. Um, Compliments? Come on, man. 
I'm awful at compliments. Really? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why it's, you know, some sort of, I'm some sort of deep seated thing in there. Um, I've gotten a lot better, especially after reading this book. Um, but when her, when her, when her number one love language is words of affirmation and I'm barely speaking words of affirmation, it was just one day where she opened up and was like, I don't feel loved by you. I don't feel loved. Haven't for months. I'm like, oh shit. Well, and that was a, that was a fucking, that was eye opening, eye opening to realize that no matter how much you love someone, if you're not speaking their language, there's a chance they're not feeling it at all. And that was like, oh, okay. Time for me to get my shit together. Time to put my big boy pants on. And you know, I'm all about this fucking, I'm all about this personal development and this personal change. Yeah. This, this is the next, this is the next step that needs to be taken. And that was, it was good. It was, it was growth. It was, it was a lot of learning and this book helped me a lot, but it was, um, we're not always so good at realizing the things we're not good at. No, we're not always so great at that, especially if it's not brought to light. No, you know? And so that has helped me a lot. I think it's helped me with my kids. I think it's helped me in my, my personal friendships is like realizing like, Oh fuck, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not so great at that part. Yeah. I mean, this is part of the, you know, this is a small portion of, I posted something yesterday about, you know, your closest circle of friends, you know, your friends, family, whoever, the closest people to you that influence and inspire you. I mean, these are the people that are going to help you expose some of the areas where it's like, Hey, it's not, you're, you're not a complete moron at this, but here's an area that, you know, you just might need to pay attention to. Yep. And that's it. That's all it is. So whether you're in a relationship or ever plan on being in a relationship or have kids or whatever, just do the book. It really is. It's amazing. Wow. I should have. I know we should, should go re- back in time. We should go back in time and we could listen to the relationship <laughs> podcast where you bring it up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that to this. Now yeah, I get my it. My wife told me I should read it, but yep. you know, yep. Now you read it. Now I read it. Why do you think she was telling me I should read it? Yeah. Hint. hint. Yeah. Hint, hint. Pretty good, man. All right, that's a wrap.